to the best of my knowledge and to my count, this is part eight of the gardening series. And I still don't know if we're going to come to an end of the gardening series before Christ returns because there is so much truth that can be reached through this one scripture, Proverbs 4.23, it says, Keep the heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Listen, there ain't nothing growing in your garden that you didn't allow the seed to get in there. It's a fact. Nothing grows in your garden unless you allow the seed to come and land there. Does it? And, and that's why the scripture says, Come out from among them and be ye separate. Because they're, they're always got all kinds of nasty seeds flowing around in their garden if they're reaching out to stuff inside of this world that pleases man other than God. We call them dandy. We could we could compare them to dandelions in the garden. If 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 you share the border of of your property with somebody that has dandelions, you let them that close to be contiguous with your life. It doesn't mean that 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 uh, that they're not somebody you bump into because we bump into some people that that have some hideous stuff growing in their garden. I'm talking about the people that you make covenant with to where you allow them to speak into your life if what they got growing in their garden is going to blow into yours if you enter a covenant with them the scripture says that if you tried to come out from among all of them completely you'd have to leave the planet and I paraphrased it it says not completely from the world because then you must needs, and I don't remember the rest of the verse, but it means you'd have to leave planet Earth because there's so many people down here that uh, aren't smart gardeners of their heart, if you will. Keep your heart with all diligence. That means get serious with your gardening. The gardening of your heart. This is a very, very wise st statement. Because out of it are the issues of your life. I've got, I, I was just reading a post by, uh, I think it was Brother Stephen Hoyle this morning. That said, he said, my heart breaks for all of those people that don't adhere to God and His Word, and yet complain about all the junk that's happening in their life that comes from what they're submitting themselves to instead of obeying God. And then they want to complain about all the weeds in their garden. He didn't put it that way, but it goes with the gardening series to put it that way. There's so many people that want to complain about the weeds in their life. And blame God for it. God brought all this on me. No, He didn't. He gave you fertile ground. Unless you become hard-hearted and then nothing will grow there. And you'll have a desolate desert. And you won't be able to relate with anyone. And you'll even loathe your own person. Keep your heart with all diligence because out of it are the issues of life. I want to talk about free time this morning and I may, I may kind of rub some people the wrong way at first and it might just, what, we, what I might like to call, it might stroke your cap backwards. Just wait a little bit. I got a little bit more to say. And... Uh, if you won't be hard-hearted, all you got to do is turn that cat around. And while I'm stroking in this direction, you turn that cat around. Instead of complaining, it'll purr. Amen. We got so many people that are stuck on this time, this 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 phrase, "me time." I got to have me time. 
If you take me time the wrong way, it'll cause a root of bitterness in your garden. It will encourage selfishness. We're going to get into that more in a second. Well, Pastor, you don't understand. You you already crossed the line putting down me time. I got to have my me time. What does your me time look like? Because I'm going to tell you right now, inside of the garden of every person's heart, there is a throne. Who do you let sit on that throne? That throne belongs to Jesus Christ if you're a child of God. And if you're not a child of God, nothing and no one else that you allow to sit on the throne of your heart will make you happy. Maybe for a moment, but it won't be peace that lasts. Your happiness or your peace will be contingent upon stuff and people that can be pulled right out of your life because they're not guaranteed. They're not constant. That's why my Jesus said, My peace are given to you, not the way that the world gives peace. Give I peace unto you. Because all the peace that the world offers is temporary and it's contingent upon temporal things. Maybe I'll hold off on talking more about me time for just a moment. I placed two links on this page that, that I encourage you. I also paste, posted it on my Facebook page, so you don't have to write it down right now. You can go to my Facebook page and find these links because I, I, I went ahead and posted my notes that the Lord gave me this morning for the sermon, which includes these links. The first one, which is at the top, is called RaisingArrows.net Me Time Myth. People have been chasing the Me Time Myth for so long, which uh, part of it is good and part of it is bad, but there's so much poison in it that if you're chasing Me Time, which is time of you sitting on the throne of your heart and serving yourself, you're going to come up with some bad weeds in your garden and if anybody interrupts your me time, they're going to stir up animosity inside of you just by tapping you on the shoulder. This is good stuff, and, and, and it's stuff that needs to be talked about because anytime I selfishly look for me time, I'm really putting me on the throne of my heart and serving me. Now, we'll, we'll get into some good stuff that shows the other side of that in just a moment. We're going to look at John chapter 10, verse 7. Then said Jesus unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. Jesus is the door. What did he say he would lead his people into? Green pastures. You read that in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, means do without. He leadeth me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Where? What, what does that make you think of? Close your eyes for a second and think of green pastures. I'm not talking about the ones like, like what we think of that's full of chiggers and, and all of that. I'm talking about good green, green pastures. You think of peace. You think of tranquility. You might think of the birds singing might think about a babbling brook not too far away because he leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because he is with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. And he prepares a table before me right in front of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm not talking about when I die. Yes, yeah, coming then too. But I won't dwell in his house now. 
The scripture says, no, ye not. You're the temple of the Holy Ghost, so God's right inside of here. And I want to dwell in that. I want to dwell in his presence right there. So the me time needs to be we time with Jesus sitting on my throne. For you mamas that, that remember the commercial, grandma's will. Calgon, take me away. And I heard, when, when I read that link that I was telling you about, the woman was talking about uh, a, a nice bath time was her me time and that she liked to have some candles lit in there even. I can't imagine candles around the bath, but I, I don't know. That seems interesting. Maybe low lighting, you know, that's... But uh, the only thing that would make it better is if I was playing some quiet worship music in the background. So it's no longer me time, it's we time. The we time that you need will give you a spirit of peace that if somebody does come and knock on the door, it doesn't drive you to... What do you want? Come on. You need to check the quality of that time that you set aside to refuel to get that special time of refreshing that God expects for each one of us to reach out to and find. Because if you don't find that refreshing, especially if mama don't find that refreshing, the whole house is going to suffer. Men, you've got to find it too or else mama will start bottling it up and it won't be long and she'll explode and it'll be your fault and hers. Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. And that door leads us into green pastures. Listen, if you're looking for some peace, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. If you go looking for your peace somewhere where Jesus isn't sitting on the throne, then whatever it is you're chasing is wooing you away from Jesus, your Prince of Peace, and is competing with Jesus to be your supplier of peace. Jesus said unto them again in John 10, 7, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever come before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them or hear them, didn't accept that cheap knockoff that promised peace and joy and happiness. All oh, the true sheep that know the voice of the Father they turn those things down. They know that they're dry wells. And they say, oh, that promises peace or joy for a season. But the end of it is death. The sheep don't listen. They know the voice of the Lord. Verse 9, Jesus said, and these are letters in red in your, your Bible. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in. He'll be saved. Anybody had some animosity they'd like to be saved from? Some stress going on? I know mamas do. And daddies do. He said, you'll go in and out and find pasture. We, we think about that, about coming to a good relationship with the Father, but how about our everyday hope of peace, our everyday hope of strength and encouragement? Jesus is the door. I encourage you, whatever it is you use and you call me time or, or the time that I've got to have to recharge, you test that time. If that time's not rewarding in such a way that it immediately starts bringing you peace and brings you on a road to getting peace, I encourage you to recheck what it is you're looking to for your peace.
Jesus said, I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. (laughs) Shall is not a permissive word. It doesn't mean might. It means definite. It It is one of those promises of God that if you'll do the first part, he'll do the rest. Listen, it's a certain thing. Just like his word is forever settled in heaven, this word is settled. And the one who spoke these things into existence, as you've heard me say before, is the same one that said, let there be light a little over 6,000 years ago. And if you look outside, you will see that his word is still in force. Jesus said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, any human is what that word means. If any human being will enter in by Jesus Christ, he'll be saved. Oh, you're talking about salvation. I'm talking about being saved from all of the stuff that wants to steal your peace, your joy, your strength that makes you doubt your abilities, your worth, the reason you were exist you exist. There was a memory that I had a little over 11 years, 10 or 11 years ago. You'll have to look on my page. I, I, I cited it. That said, if there is anybody in your realm of close friends, family, that you get to speak into their life, even if it's just you looking in the mirror, it is detrimental To tell that person that they're bad, that they're ugly, that they're unwanted, or that they'll never amount to anything more than what they are. I've seen the movies where people look into the mirror and go, I hate you. Don't hate that person in the mirror because they were created in the image and likeness of Almighty God. They were created for good things to display the glory of Almighty God in the earth that other people will see that God is good. You need to look if you're looking in the mirror or if you're looking at your kids or you're looking at somebody that's hurt your feelings. You need to look at them with God's eyes and remember they're created in the image of God and He knows what good plans He had for them even before He fashioned them in their mother's womb how He wants to give them a good life with an expected end. Jesus said, I'm the door. By me, if any man enter in, he'll be saved from fear. He'll be saved from looking down at yourself and others. You'll be saved from judging yourself by your past or judging people by their pasts. God longs to bring us past that. If any man will enter in, he'll be saved from all that junk. And we'll go in and out and find good pasture. Where you'll hear stuff like, you know, when God looks at me, he doesn't see my failures. He sees his son's righteousness. And he sees what good things he has in store for those that will hear him. Continuing in John 10, Jesus said, The thief only has one reason for coming to you. The thief cometh not. That means the only reason why he comes is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Oh yeah, he does come as an angel of light and he promises so many other things, but the end result that he sees in his mind is he's going to hurt you He's going to steal from you. He wants to kill you. He wants to kill your peace. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to destroy your family, your home life, and all the friends that you have. So you'll give up and hate that one that was created in the image of Almighty God. To loathe that one. 
I loathe selfishness and I loathe my past. But I love the one that God created in his image and in his likeness. But if I only see it in me, I'm still blind. Because I need to see it in every single person that I know. Not just my friends and my family. But all the ones that God still gives breath to that I share this planet with. God has a good desire for them. And he's upset about the prison that they're in. His heart is broken. His desire is to see them saved and in health. And nourished in their heart and their soul and their mind. So that begs to, begs to ask for an answer to the question, can you really hate sin and love the sinner? I believe it's whenever you see sin as the prison or the bondage that is preventing them from finding the hope and joy in Christ. I believe you really can hate the sin and love the sinner. When you began to have your heart broken for the fact that they're still stuck in that prison and they don't know how to get out or even realize that they're in a prison and don't know why they can't be free or have the peace or joy that they see other people have, then you can truly intercede for them with the heart of Christ and love the sinner and hate the sin. Let's go to Mark chapter 2, verse 27 and 28. Because so many people misunderstand what the Sabbath was created for. The Sabbath was created so you could have this rest. This rest of peace, joy, family. To receive consolation for your work. There's a reason why he put it at the end of the week. You still got people thinking that Sunday's the Sabbath. You need to read the scriptures again. We come together on the first day of the week because we're bringing the first fruits to the Lord. That's why I do it anyway. And it's not a day of that's set aside just for rest. This is a time for me to actively seek a deeper relationship with my Lord. But my day of rest is on the Sabbath or Saturday. But it's not a thing of legalism. Hear what Jesus has to say about it. This is a time set aside. Every time I think about the Sabbath being a day of rest, I remember what Jesus said about those, those rebellious Israelites that had been walking around in the wilderness for almost 40 years, and they finally do hit 40 years of walking in there. But during that time, he swears in his wrath. He said, I'm going to tell you for sure, they are not going to enter into my rest. Did you know you can walk around in a Sabbath every day and still do your work? What are you talking about, Pastor? Seek God early before you get out of bed and just decide not to let go of his hand all day long. You just hold on to his hand all day long through everything you go through. It'll be the most restful experience no matter how hard you work. And it'll be rewarding. And in fact, those people that you normally want to escape from will be people that you want to be with and you'll treasure your time with them even if they're hard to handle. Amen. Those people that we like to sometimes uh, describe as the unlovables, you'll enjoy your time with them. And you will begin to love the person that's bound underneath all of the junk that they're going through. Because if you will ever come to the place that you realize what I actually got from a counselor one time many, many years ago. The people that are mean to you, they have a reason for being mean to you. Well, pastor, I never gave them a reason to be mean it's not what you've done. It's what the devil's done inside of their life to convince them that they're the scum of the earth. And the only way that they can feel better about themselves is to attack someone 
that they feel like is treading water better than them. So they reach up to push you down to push themselves up. They lash out because they're hurting. And they push you down because they see you treading water. And it often makes them ashamed of their own lives because they're not treading water like you. So they look for your faults and then they magnify your faults to push you down so that they'll feel better about themselves. Let's get back to what Jesus was saying here. Jesus said unto them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And the reason what was going on here, you can read the rest of the story Earlier in Mark chapter 2, it's also in the book of Matthew and I think Luke as well. Uh, his disciples had walked through uh, a cornfield and uh, uh, they were hungry. So they really weren't out there as a laborer working. But they went and picked a little bit of corn so they could have something to eat as they was walking through it. And the, the Pharisees made fun of Jesus and his disciples. He said, why do you allow your disciples to do what is unlawful on the sabbath day because men had added so many traditions to that first statement remember the sabbath to keep it holy through the traditions of men they decided to tell you how to keep that sabbath and something very interesting to me and you may not accept it this way and you don't have to if the lord doesn't lead you that way whenever it says the sabbath was made for man and not man for the sabbath I believe just like you're supposed to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, you need to find out how the Lord intended for you to enjoy that time that you set aside to be with God. I believe that this is the very me time that we like to call it, that God would rather you call it we time, that you might enter into his rest. Because if you don't enter into his rest, you're not going to recharge your batteries right, if you will. Recharge your heart. Bring it back to that place of peace whenever you have to face stressful times. It's very true. We need that. And that's why God said to set aside time for a Sabbath. There's some people that take it every evening and don't even realize they're doing it. They set aside that special bath time. And better not nobody mess with me while I'm in there. Because this is my time, I've set it aside, and, and they actually do turn on a little bit of praise and worship music so that the Lord can bring peace again to their souls. And if you're listening to worship music when somebody knocks on the door, you don't get so upset about it. You don't come unglued. Because it's not you that's sitting on the throne of your heart. You've got Jesus sitting on the throne and you're just connecting with Him. And you'll see the difference. Trust me. I know because I was the one who went, found the me time. I, I decided I wanted all my free time to be me time. And a Christian all the time. I didn't have some very Christ-like responses if you messed up and, 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 and disturbed me during my me time back when I was playing EverQuest at least eight hours a day. That was before the Lord called me to preach. He figured I needed to be done with that long before. <laughs> he worked on me long, during all of it, trying to tell me that it wasn't good for me, but my me time was my me time, and I saw it to be okay. But I saw the signs. If anybody came and interrupted me, Sheila knows. I broke a keyboard once because I was interrupted during it. You, Pastor? That's right. I broke it over my knee. I threw a fit. I thought it was really neat, though. Those buttons on the keyboard just fly straight up in the air when you do that. Never mind, though. I, I chased a squirrel. I ruined a bottle of liquid paper and, and made, a, made a rule. There was a new rule in the house. Liquid paper, I don't get any near my desk ever. I got over that, though. But it was needful at the time because liquid paper, you can't wash it off of nothing hardly. <laughs> we need the time of rest.
but it needs to be fruitful. If I sit on the throne and serve me, I become selfish because I let little seeds of selfishness get planted in my garden. And if anybody offends one of those seeds of selfishness or one of those little plants of selfishness that I got growing in my garden, I become offended. I end up growing a chip on my shoulder. And that chip can easily be knocked off. If you've got chips on your shoulder, listen, I'm, I'm about to get right up in everybody's business. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that pride, only by pride, comes contention. I've had people bring me to the side and say, Pastor, there's other things that causes me to feel contention. No, you're wrong. Only by pride. Yeah, but everybody knew my rule and they come in my house that way anyway. You still had the pride on your shoulder that it was your house and that everybody ought to respect your rules. The Bible's not wrong. If it says only by pride cometh contention, then only by pride cometh contention. I've tested it every way that I could imagine to test it and it is a fact then only by pride comes contention. And if you want that pride in your garden, just let the seeds get planted of selfishness. How much am I worth that everybody ought to bow down to my, my desires? I let them know about my desires and what I expect in my house. If you don't see selfishness and pride all wrapped up in that, Open your spiritual eyes to see it the way that God does. And look at the early church. The scripture says that the early church had everything in common and nobody considered their own stuff to be theirs. But when they're in my house or when they're in my car, listen, there are good rules that I have inside of my house. But if I'm willing to throw somebody away or if I become contentious because they broke the rule, there's a problem. You know when you've become contentious because you lose your peace. There's no need to lose your peace because the rules, the good rules that you have in your home were broken by someone. You can tell because you'll fly off the handle. There is a right way to handle those things. And it's not with contention. Hey, wait a minute, son. I need to tell you. I need to remind you one more time. That won't be tolerated here. If I didn't lose my peace. If I lost my peace about it, that means I've got it up here as a chip. Does that make sense? The Sabbath was made for man. Not man for the Sabbath. Are you catching that? This rule, this directive of God to take some time to recharge with Him walking in the cool of the day like Adam did in the garden with Jesus, with God. That's the time of refreshing. Therefore the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. I know Jesus is the Son of Man that he was referring to here. You can tell it by the capital S in Son in the middle of the sentence. He was talking about him. But as joint heirs with Jesus Christ, the things that were entrusted to him were entrusted to us as well. You decide whether you enter in to rest with Christ each day. And if you don't, you're the one that misses out. And the ones that get close to you. <laughs> because instead of getting blessings, they get selfishness spewed at them. A lack of peace because you didn't plug into the Prince of Peace. So the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. You need to find a Sabbath, whether it's a time, whether it's a day. And you need to plug in. Me time. The selfish myth that deifies any me that will seek it. 
When I say deify, that means it puts you on the seat, the throne of your heart. Now, people call, call me time that, and the semantics doesn't mean the same, and it, or the definition of the phrase doesn't mean the same as what it literally means. Me time does deify you, but you do need some time of refreshing that the Scripture talks about, and we'll get into that in a minute. But if I'm seeking time to please me, I'm putting me on the throne. You'll find it never satisfies you. You're, you become dissatisfied with the block of time or the duration of, of that me time. It will always demand more while demeaning your responsibility and other people in your life. What do you mean by that, Pastor Charles? Well... Let's just look at motherhood because young mothers experience a lot of what they call postpartum depression. What happens is, is their time that they once knew before is now taken up by a child. And then they start looking for escapes from their responsibilities. And as they do start looking for those escapes, they start loving that time and seeing the rest of their time that they're under those responsibilities, the way that uh, uh, as, as uh, unwanted displeasure. A man that goes through this after marriage for the first several years of a marriage, very often a man will go from speaking about the love of his life to uh, the old ball and chain. I know you've all heard it. What happened was is he looked for his me time as the time whenever he defined his fun and all the other time he started looking at as, as a time where he wouldn't be the bachelor he was before. So hanging on to and embracing the bachelor life, that little time that he needed to go play golf ended up, and there ain't nothing wrong with going and playing golf, don't misunderstand me. But if you go in to play golf to escape your wife, you are wrong. If you're going to play whatever to escape your family, you are wrong. Because what you will find is it will demand more and you'll want to do it more and more and more and more and more. And the time with your family that you spend in free time will get less and less and less and less. And yet you'll still have the gall to call yourself a family man whenever you despise the time that you'd be there with your family. Pastor, you done went to meddling. Ain't my fault. It was the Holy Ghost's fault. He led me this way. If you're never satisfied with the duration of the time that you spend with whatever it is you call me time or your recharge time, that's one of the main symptoms to know that I am choosing either an unhealthy free time or I am choosing it for the wrong reasons and instead of having Jesus on the throne of my heart during that time, I have had the gall to sit on the throne of my heart and serve myself. And that last part, while demeaning responsibility in others, you begin to hate your job. And if you're a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad, you begin to hate the time that your children are tying you down. And you lose the joy that God sent His Son to die on the cross for that you might be able to enjoy. I like what it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 4. We're about to get to the root of bitterness here. Paul said, you haven't resisted the desires of this flesh. 
to the point of blood like many of the prophets had like Jesus had and he was mainly referring to Jesus here you haven't resisted under blood like Jesus did fighting against sin and there's something I want to bring out right here and and I know I've got it later on a different slide but but I want to tell you something there are things that you can plant in your garden that will help keep the bugs away there's certain things you can do like adding praise to your life that keeps a lot of the bugs away. People don't understand that whenever they first come to Christ and they go, well, I've got all these sins and all this temptation that I'm addicted to and how do I keep it out? I've got I've to keep my Holy Ghost flash water here ready and just sit there and beat them out. And they spend their time trying to keep sin out of their life and they're, 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 they're wearing themselves out. How many people have kept a garden and know that marigolds, if you plant them at the edge of your garden, keeps some bugs out? I even put a link in here that, that if you want to know how to keep certain bugs away, instead of getting those harmful pesticides, all you got to do is buy the right plants and grow them where you're having the problem and, and, and the problems will stay away. There's even one for mosquitoes. Amen. That, Mosquitoes can't stand that plan I call a mosquito plan. It's it's a uh, somebody say the word citronella, the citronella plant. Mosquitoes can't stand it. Plant it outside where you like to be. Listen in the same way, and I'm jumping ahead. We're gonna get to it in a second. In the book of Isaiah says, the anointing will break the yoke. You've got to plant things inside of your life that stirs the anointing in your life. Reading the Bible, praying, and very often listening to worship music, and sometimes turning it all off, and just worshiping to God, making your own words as you go. I'm going to tell you, just like in this relationship with, with your wives, I, I, you always get this message from a man's point of view, because I've always been a guy, never been a girl. I'm not exactly sure how they feel, but I do see how they react to certain things. Amen. You've not resisted unto blood striving against sin. We're going to get back to here and we'll get to the other in a second. Verse 5 says, And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord. And don't faint when you're rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and he scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure the chastening, God deals with you like he, would, like he does with sons, as with sons. For what son is he whom the father never chastens or chastens not? But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then you're bastards and not sons or fatherless. You don't have a father that loves you. Furthermore, we've had fathers that of our flesh which corrected us and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but God does it for our profit so that we might be partakers of God's holiness. Now, no chastening for the present seems to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Speak words of encouragement is what it's talking about to yourself and to others. If you remember, he even talked about that in the early church. You need to speak to each other with hymns to, to lift each other up and give each other words of encouragement so it will lift up the hands that hang down and those feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet. Lest that which is lame to be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. I thought about that 
and, and was thinking, you know, if I make straight paths for my feet as I'm watching Jesus and following in his footsteps, when he's talking about so that the lame don't get turned out of the way, that's the people that don't know as much as what you know, and they're just looking at you instead of looking at Jesus. And if you stray from the path, somebody else who's watching Jesus inside of you doesn't recognize that you got in the flesh, and that's why you went off, and they'll think that that's the right way. But let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man is going to see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Looking diligently into the Word. Looking diligently by asking God if you understand the Word right. By looking diligently like David did, whenever he said, Lord, should I go into battle against them? Most of the time he said yes. One of the times he said, no, don't go up like you were planning to. I want you to go over there and wait under the mulberry trees and wait till you hear me moving in the trees above. You'll hear the rustling of the wind up in the top. And that's the way you'll know that I'm going out before you. Wait till I go before you. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Look diligently at the seed that you allow to be planted in your garden. Whatever free time that you're going to enjoy, look diligently at it and make sure you find out who you're seating upon the throne of your heart before you begin the free time. Listen, if I was going to be a golfer, I would want my time out there golfing to be less about the golfing. Oh, yeah, I, I always do my best at whatever sport I go to do. But at the same time, I want to be praising God. I, I want to be concentrating on my Lord and thanking Him for the time that I'm out there and looking for that time of refreshing between me and God out there looking at the beautiful green grass, the trees off in the distance. Amen. And talking to the Lord while I'm out there. Your free time ought to be we time instead of me time. It'll be more fulfilling that way. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you. Because by that many are defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau who for just a morsel of meat sold his birthright. For you know how that afterwards, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected because he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. For you're not coming to the mount that might be touched and that burned with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words. Which voice they have heard, they that heard it, they entreated that the word should not be spoken to them anymore because they couldn't endure that which was commanded. And if so, such as a beast touched the mountain, it'll be stoned or thrust through with the dart and so terrible with the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake, but you're coming to Mount Zion. So you got to go back because there's a long sentence there. You got to go back and think about that. He said, you haven't come to the fearful law that, that you remembered back in Moses' day. You didn't come to a God that can't be touched. You didn't come just to the letter of the law. But you're come unto Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. When we reach out to Jesus, we come to a living relationship, not a book of letters. To the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men that have been made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of that new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks louder, if you will, than that of Abel, or that speaks better things than that of Abel. What's he talking about? Abel's blood, righteous blood, cried out to God whenever 
God came to Cain and he explained to him, oh, are you, where's your brother? I don't know, am I my brother's keeper? He said, the blood of your brother cries out to me from the ground. So he says, this new covenant that Jesus paid for on the cross, it speaks better things than what Abel's blood did from the ground. I have another uh, link up here called Garden Therapy. That's the one that tells you about the things that you can plant in your garden or in your house. I encourage you to look it up because let me tell you, the chemicals that you spray for the bugs have an effect on you too. They do. Uh, especially those of you that have uh, sinuses that are affected like mine. You spray the stuff, you might end up with a sneezing fit and coughing and raspy, kind of like what you hear me now because we sprayed for bugs the other day. <clears throat> and so I'm looking at that for the same reason that I'm telling you to look at it, but I want you to look even further. There are certain things inside of your life. We'll read the Scripture first, and then we'll go on to what I'm going to say. And it'll come to pass in that day that His burden shall be taken from off of your shoulder and His yoke from off of your neck, and the yoke is going to be destroyed because of the anointing. One of the things I want you to notice here is He never says your yoke. He never says your burden because you see it's the yoke and the burden of the enemy placed on your shoulders. God's desire is that you not carry the yoke or the burden of the enemy. All of the sin that pro promises, promises pleasure is, is promising a pleasure for the season. But as we read earlier, we realize that the devil only comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He's not offering it to you because of the pleasures. He's presenting it to you to that as that because he appears as an angel of light. His, his desire is to separate you from God first and steal your peace and your strength so that you might be, not be able to continue and won't be in the mood to worship God. So it will come to pass in that day that the devil's burden will be taken away from off of your shoulder. That's who it's talking about. That his, that, that personal pronoun his is talking about the devil's burden. So hear it again. And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken from off of your shoulder. And his yoke will be taken from off of your neck. And that yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. That's the presence of the Holy Spirit. Listen, whenever you walk in the presence of God Almighty... It's, it's, a, it's an anointing thing. When, when you take cologne and you put it on, men, when, when you put that underarm deodorant on, it leaves something there that's pleasant that others can detect. You can detect it yourself. How many men have gone out and worked so hard you could smell yourself? It's pretty bad if you can smell yourself. You can rest assured. If you stink so bad that you smell yourself, other people smell it. The anointing, the presence of Almighty God rubs off on you whenever you're spending time with God if it's quality time. It'll come to pass in that day that His burden will be taken off of your shoulders. This is a promise that's not talking about the very end when we go to heaven. We talked about this last time. This is God's last will and testament and it went into force when Jesus died and you're the beneficiary. Uh, a will does not go into effect when the beneficiary dies. It's when the testator dies. And he already died 2,000 years ago. So this promise about the burden being taken off of your shoulders and that yoke being broken was already paid for 2,000 years ago. And we as the children of God, the joint heirs with Jesus Christ, are entitled to walk around without that burden on your shoulders. And tells you what to break the yoke. Well, Pastor, I did it once and the yoke was broken, but it came back. Well, you got to stay in the anointing because it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. So what brought the anointing for you? Reading the Bible? Praying? Worshiping? Doing whatever it takes to keep my hand in His.
breaks that yoke off of my neck. Because the enemy is always waiting for you to calm down just a little bit to get your eyes unfocused from being focused on Jesus. He goes, okay, now I can attack. Because I couldn't before, it would have just, it wouldn't have done any good. <laughs> the devil don't like to waste his time whenever you got your eyes fastened on Jesus. And he sits back and he goes, you just wait. You know why? He don't like getting a black eye any more than you do. <laughs> Amen. He already knows you're going to resist him. And the Bible says if you resist the devil, he's going to flee. He don't like to flee. So he says, I'm going to wait till they're sick. I'm going to wait till they're down. I'm going to wait till they had a long day and they haven't tied into their me time. And I'm going to tell them a type of me time that's going to make them more irritable than they are now. And they're going to think that they're, that they're taking care of themselves. They'll sit on the throne so Jesus can't. The yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. I want you to remember that. You need to make a notation of this. The yoke of the enemy that is so heavy will be broken whenever you enter the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Whatever it takes to get you there, figure it out. Don't continue to walk around with a yoke that's not even yours or a burden. When one begins to serve themselves, self begins to usurp the throne. Selfishness lashes out at anyone and anything that disturbs, that disturbs its selfish groove. Uh, I come up with groove because I remembered that silly cartoon I watched years ago, The Emperor's New Groove, and you did anything. Boy, you threw off his groove and they'd have you thrown out the window. <laughs> Y'all remember that movie? And, and we become the same way. If you don't believe it, have somebody. I'll just, I'll just tell off on myself. I would sit there and I'd play my chess game. And if anybody come to ask me any question, just my son or, or, or one of my kids come and tap me on the shoulder. And then I get distracted a little bit and make a bad move. I look, now you got me checkmated. It disturbed my selfish groove. I was in that game to win. Competition's not a good thing for me to go looking for peace in. <laughs> if you're super competitive like me uh, and, and you can't afford to lose one, uh, you probably ought to not compete. One of the things that I've learned is that if I'm going to play a game, he needs to be with the people that I'm wanting to connect with so that it's we time and not me time. And I've learned that one of the things that God wants us to all learn about uh, good sportsmanship has to do with having compassion for your opponent so much that you love it when they win and that you're compassionate on them when they lose instead of rubbing it in their face. I found the only thing worse than a sore loser is a sore winner. What do you mean by sore winner? That one that trumpets it. Yeah, you lost. And, uh... <laughs> you see what I'm talking about? A sore loser is one thing. A sore winner is even worse. But selfishness causes us to lash out at anyone and anything that disturbs our selfish groove. So we need to realize whether we're in a selfish groove. If you're in a selfish groove, that means you're the one sitting on the throne of your heart. And you're the one that you're serving. This is all about me. Listen, this is still rubbing some people the wrong way. And that's okay. If it's rubbing you the wrong way, your cat's turned around backwards. I'm telling you, it's you, not me. This is from the Holy Spirit. I, get, I tell you, beyond a shadow of a doubt, it is. The very statement, me time, should, set, should let you know right away that what you're facing is the wrong thing. And, and you take a little bit of bad, a little bit of good, or a whole lot of good, and a little bit of bad, like rat poison is 99% good food. It's actually less than 1% that's actually poison. You mix a little poison in with 99% good, 
And boy, it sounds good at first. might even smell good, but it's deadly. It'll steal your peace. It'll steal your joy. It'll stop you from reaching what God wants you to reach in this life. And that's an abundant life. Jesus came that you might have life and it more abundantly. We just read it a while ago. God wants you to enjoy this life. He wants you to enjoy your work. He wants you to enjoy your spouse. He wants you to enjoy your children. And He wants those times that you spend with them to be fruitful both for you and them. We need less me time and more we time. Look at your me time or the, or the free time that you set aside. And if it's all about you, that means you're sitting on the throne of your life and that you're trying to be your prince of peace. And I've already told you, you can tell by looking whether it's quality or not. The proof is in the pudding. We've, you've heard that from the time we was little. We heard that the proof is in the pudding. Well, how is it coming out? Is it leaving you peaceful and looking forward to getting back with the people that you had just left? Or does it have you going, man, I need more of this time. I can't believe that the time's running out. I can't believe i got to go back and do the old grind again. That's not productive. Free time. Free time. That's the right kind of free time. Leaves you feeling, man, I could conquer the world and I have so much to share now with those that I'm going back to spend time with. If it's the other way around, you've allowed a root of bitterness to grow in your garden. Nothing will quite work right at that point. All of your relationships will be Less of a lesser quality. God doesn't want your relationships to be of a lesser quality. He wants all of your relationships to be rewarding. Acts 3.19. Oh my goodness, we're running out of time. Repent ye therefore and be converted so that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Okay, if the Lord has spoken to you through this and showed some things you need to change, what's he saying there? Repent. Be converted. Your sins will be blotted out so you can have those times of refreshing again and enjoy them to the fullness as God desires for you to. And he will send Jesus Christ which before was preached unto you. Scripture says that when prophesied in Isaiah 53 a little bit earlier before verse 5. might have been in verse 3 or 4. He said, we esteemed him stricken as of by God. In other words, the people of Israel, they looked and said, God's destroying him because he claimed to be equal to God. He said, but the truth is, it was verse, verse 4. But verse 5 says, but the truth is, that's what that means there. But, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. The chastisement of our peace means what, whatever it cost to bring us peace with the Father was paid for by Jesus. And with his stripes we're healed of stress we are healed of loneliness we are healed of oppression and depression so if you're looking to be healed of that stuff there's a place to go and that's Jesus he's the prince of our peace and if we'll go to him we'll get the the, the real thing and not some cheap knockoff that doesn't last and that isn't and it looks to me like once again we're going to continue this because there is so much about this next scripture here that I've been trying for two or three weeks to get to but the Lord keeps saying it's going to be longer got a little bit more got a little bit more before you get there
this is about the tares. I've been wanting to preach about the tares for a long time. But he said, wait, hold it. But I do get to give you a little tidbit of the tares before we dismiss. Tares very often is stinking thinking. Stinking thinking gets planted inside of our life through traditions of men and through our inability to see clearly what lies we've accepted as truth. Sometimes it comes through religion that was taught to us by denominations. Sometimes it comes from stinking thinking that was passed down from our parents. You've got to do this or that that brings it to where your relationship with God is based on works, which it is not. And if you believe it is, so yeah, I don't know why it did that. I turned my volume down to nothing here. I really did. Let me just turn it off completely. But Jesus was wounded for our transgressions that we might be able to have peace, that we might have a good relationship with God, that we might, as children of God, walk richly in this life. I'm not talking about money, marbles, and chalk. That's stuff. I'm talking about the kind of riches that Paul said, I've had a lot, and I was good in it. So I've learned to be abased, and I've learned to abound and still have peace in the middle of all of it. That's God's desire for us, that even in the middle of the storm, we can still have peace. In the middle of a storm, you can still have joy. Jesus took a beating so that we could. Let's stand. Lord God, we are so thankful for your love and grace and mercy. We're thankful that you've made so many different provisions for us that if we would just put them into play inside of our lives, we could walk in peace and joy and strength. That we would remember, Lord, and, and notice and remember those things that you've said if we'll do these things, we'll have good responses because of it. That as we sow these things, we will reap life in it more abundantly. Remind us, Father, of those things. Point them out to us and remind us when we have forgotten to put those things into action that we might walk in the abundant life that you've paid such a great price for us to have. Father, cause your presence to be rubbed off on us that it will be a source for us and a source for others in our lives that they will notice your presence and be drawn to you because of it and delivered from all of these things that bind Set the captives free, Father. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Use us, Lord, to help do that, if you will. Again, in Jesus' name we pray. We love you, God. Amen.